the house of the Lord. I'll say this as I get started. Uh, I got one, Scott. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I didn't want you to bring two of them. Anyway, um, Amber asked me on the way home uh, about preaching on the donkey, since I mentioned it so much this morning. And uh, I'm not going to tonight, but... um, you pray, and Lord willing, I may preach a message on donkeys next Sunday morning. Specifically, a few may or may not know. To double check to be sure, real quickly, I don't know of anywhere in the Bible where it mentions Mary actually riding a donkey uh, when they were taxed. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that. We assume she probably rode one one thing, she was nine months pregnant. I've never been pregnant. I don't think I ever will be. Uh, in fact, I'm quite certain I won't because I'm a man. I'm born a man and I'll die a man. And, and men don't have babies. Women do. That's the way God designed it. Never thought I'd have to get up and say that at church. But anyway, um, so I've been around women that were nine months And I can promise you, you're not going to walk miles like they did, especially the terrain that was there they walked. So she probably did. What you may not realize, if you've never seen the kind of donkeys that they have in Israel at that time and still do today, uh, they actually have a cross the way their fur is made on the back. It's in a form of a cross. It's kind of interesting, kind of neat. But Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, Second Timothy chapter 4. Appreciate each one again this evening. Glad to see you here. And let me say, uh, for the mothers and fathers of babies that may they don't they're not bothering us. They might be bothering you, but they're not bothering us. I just talk louder. That's okay. They're just trying to compete, and they got to learn to shout too. Amen. They got to learn to say amen. So, babies crying is what I struggle with. Those are the ones I'm going to look at and say, I'll I'll stop. Second Timothy chapter 4. Yes, Second Timothy chapter 4. Before I read any of this, let me ask you a couple Bible quiz questions. What is the last chapter that we know of that the Apostle Paul wrote? That one. Did somebody say that or the baby... uh, I'm going to make it sound that way. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 is the last words that we have knowledge of that he pinned down. This is his outpouring of his heart to Timothy. For those of you that do not know, Timothy was Paul's son, if you will, in the Lord. Um, we don't know of any children that Paul had. If he had any, it's nowhere recorded, so I doubt that he did. It's not even recorded in secular history of and, and Timothy, I think, was the closest thing he had, at least that we have knowledge of. And he meant a great deal to Paul. And this is uh, moments, and he knew that he was getting ready to die when he penned these words. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Everybody there? Amen. Very familiar verse. Have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. 
do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Shresens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychius have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together. And God, for this opportunity that we have to call upon you. And Lord, I pray that, Father, tonight, that God, you give us the words needed. Father, you give uh, our thoughts, God, the direction they need to go. Keep my thoughts in order. Keep me, God, on focus. Lord, I pray tonight that you uh, touch hearts. God, that you deal with each one as needed. God, I need you, Holy Spirit. I can't do this without you. Without you, I'm nothing. And I can't say anything. This is your message. This is your book. And this is your work. And God, I pray, Father, that you speak to me this evening to the hearts of each one that's here, whatever needs they may have. God, and I ask you to touch them. God, help us to bind together, God. Lord, in the last few days we've got to glorify and honor you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as I've already said, uh, this is Paul's kind of swan song, if you will. This is his life winding down. And if you ever thought about uh, if you knew without a doubt you were, you were overall in good health, uh, he was going to be executed. He knew that. Uh, let's just pretend for a minute that you had a similar fate coming to you and uh, you knew that time was drawing nigh, that you, you had days numbered. And if you could write down exactly what you wanted to write to the most precious people to you, this is what Paul did. Similar to the book of Proverbs, you read that in Solomon we kind of get to look into the heart of King Solomon writing to his son, saying, son, if you want to live a good life, here's my advice. As we know, Solomon was the wisest man besides Jesus to ever live, and Solomon gave his son good wisdom that was shared with you and I. What a blessing. And we get here Paul's letter, Paul's departing words to Timothy and telling him the last few things he wanted him to know. In other words, you can also say the last things he wanted the world to know, we get to read them. We get that privilege. We get that honor. And here I want to preach to you just for a few minutes on this thought. Uh, I'm going to talk to you just another minute, then we'll give you the thought and preach. Um, and I mean this no harm towards anyone. I mean no uh, offense to anyone. I mean no uh, hurt or nothing in no way, shape, or form. I'm not trying to put anything above anyone else. I'm not trying to brag on some and down others. I'm simply stating some what I consider obvious, simple uh, matters of fact. Uh, in our churches today, including this one, we have a lot of people who are Sunday morning Christians. That's all they are. Uh, they're nothing more and they're not going to be anything more. Uh, and I preached this on Sunday mornings. Those very words. So it's not like I'm waiting until the night to say it. Uh, but uh, we, we have, in all of our churches, we have people who won't get much more involved than what they are. They're just not going to do it. Uh, some people can't, uh, due to work schedule or life, be here more than that, but most can. And a lot of times, 
Sometimes for in the Christian walk, when you're walking with God and you're doing the work of Jesus, you're trying to do obedience to the Holy Spirit, you feel alone sometimes. Sometimes it feels like everybody has forsaken you. Everybody has you to do the work. Nobody wants to help. Nobody wants to jump in and give their best effort. Everybody wants their way, not God's way. And no doubt, Paul felt some of that. You say, well, he was a man of God. Yeah, sure he was, but he was a man as well. And I believe you can see some of that here, but some of the parting words, remember, these are the last words. Keep that in mind. Hey, he, wrote, uh, he wrote numerous letters that we probably don't have and never will have. Uh, he wrote uh, letters that we do have, and when he's talking here about bringing uh, the parchments with him, I believe, and I agree, he said in the books, uh, but especially the parchments, some believe the parchments is the Old Testament, and the books are the word, the, the New Testament letters that he wrote. I don't know for sure, but it's very possible. But he told Timothy, he gave him some instructions. And I want to preach you this evening on fighting a good fight when you're alone. Sometimes it feels that way. You know, we look back in the Bible and we can find places where sometimes when it's going to get tough, the crowd dwindled down. You want to look and find some examples? I'll give you some. I still remember that message. Dale Vance stood up here and preached on the don't look at, look at him, don't look at the performance. He had all these people gathered around when he was providing the performance, when they wanted to see what other miracles he was going to work. But when it came time to be serious and when the rubber meets the road, so to speak, they disappeared. They was only left with a handful. Do you realize when Jesus was betrayed, he told them to scatter, most did. One went with him all the way into the uh, fake trial that they had, and I believe even to the cross because he spoke to him there, but where are the rest of them? Come down to one person. We read in the book of Acts where at different times people scattered and they dropped their banner, if you will. They dropped their guard down and it dwindled down to just a few. So I want to encourage you few this evening, if we'll get together and we'll make a difference that God allow us to do, it will make a difference in this community and in this world and in this church. So number one, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So number one, fight a good fight. Boy, that's pretty simple. Boy, ain't it? Uh, we all have something that God has given us to do. You all have talents. I have mentioned this years ago when I first came here. God has given every person in this church an ability, something to do for his glory and honor. And many of you are doing that. You're using your talents, your abilities for God, doing what God gave you the ability to do for his glory, not for selfish gain, not for uh, feather your hat and say, look at me, everybody take notice of me, but simply for the glory of God and thank God for that. Hey, I would much rather be said when I lay down my life, when I finish my course, I can say, I kept the faith, I fought a good fight, rather than saying, man, there's so much. I didn't do. I didn't do a whole lot. I could have done a whole lot more. I will give you a quick story. Has anybody ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? I'd say most of us has. One person shaking her head no. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Charles Spurgeon. You want to hear it? Good. Because I'm going to tell them. Um, he pastored a church over in London. Do you realize he was pastoring a church of a few thousand people by the time he was a teenager? This has been a few years, too, it's for Facebook. 
live stream and internet and all that stuff. Uh, and yet, when he died at 50, I believe 50 some years old, he said, all the time I've wasted that I could have spent for God. When a man like Charles Spurgeon said that, he's often called the prince of preachers. When he says that, where does that leave most of us? Notice he says, Henceforth earth laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. You know, I thank God that we don't have to wait for him to come back in the clouds one day to see him. If you'll get right with him, if you'll walk with him, sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes it's alone. There's no one else going to be. There's no one else but you and God. You'll see an appearing of Jesus Christ like you can't see no other time. He'll reveal himself to you like nothing or nobody else can. He'll show you himself like nothing or no one else can. He'll go with you places that you didn't think he would or be able to go or wouldn't go, but thank God he'll be with you Fight the good fight. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. No matter how long it gets, no matter how bleak it gets, no matter how thin it may be, fight the good fight. I would much, much, much rather be able to look at him one day and say, I gave it my best shot. Rather look at him and say, well, Jesus, you know, I guess I did a little bit. Let me ask you a question. Do you love his appearing? Do you love it enough to sacrifice and put aside yourself for a while? to go be alone with him in word and in prayer and come to church when the doors are open, support the church, support the pastor, support the events that's going on, support people in this church that's trying to build up things, show support for things that's going on. Hey, does it matter enough to you to be alone sometimes to do that, to do those things you love enough to do those things? These few here, if we'll love his appearing more and we fight the good fight, I'm telling you, you'll see a change in people. You'll see a difference. And I believe God can and will fill these pews, whether he fills them or not, as long as we're obedient to God. That's what matters. Let me ask you, are you using your talents that God's given you to fight a good fight? I've heard some people in this church testify to doing things for people in this church. I don't think they meant it bragging. I don't think they meant it rare back. Look what I'm doing. I think they're simply saying, thank God he's given me the opportunity to help some people. Verse 9, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. One of the reasons I believe this is here is at the time of this writing, we see evidence on down in this letter that the winter was coming. If Timothy didn't get on a boat and get home soon, he wasn't going to make it. I need you. I need you. You know, one of the things sometimes in fighting a good fight is we've got to put ourselves out when people need us. Sometimes we have to put ourselves aside when people need us. I'll be, I'm not whining. Please don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound that way. God help me to never do that. If you need something, I want you to call me. If you're down, I want you to call me. If you, you're troubled, I don't mind that you call me. You're not bothering me. You're not putting me out. There's a little invention that I use sometimes and nobody take this personal. It's called... No, it's even better. Caller ID. And if you call me and I can't come to your aid at that time, guess what I'm going to do? Use caller ID and say, in a few minutes, I'll get back with them. But let me tell you something. There have been times that people called and I couldn't wait 
and I knew it. They needed help. They needed someone. They needed some assurance. They needed some a shoulder to cry on. And there's times in your life God is going to put you in situations and places you don't like to be in, you don't want to be in. You're, going to, you're not going to have time for it. You're not going to have the energy for it. But God says, I need you to step up and be a, a, a blessing to this person, be a help. And sometimes, church, we've got to put ourselves out to fight a good fight. I, you all know I've never been in the military. In some ways I wished I would have. In some ways I'm glad I didn't. I've heard both from people that were. I'm too old now, so it doesn't matter. But I know, and, and, and I realize this isn't the same. I understand. I get that. I'm not, I'm just using this as an illustration. When it comes to the special forces, oftentimes they will put them through such physical and mental abuse. It's designed to weed out those who simply will not quit and who have the right mental attitude versus those who don't. There's a lot of people, listen, when you're in the middle of some foreign country and the things don't go right and the plan don't go as, as laid out and it gets hard, you're tired, you've been fighting for two days, you haven't had any sleep, you can't curl up and quit. That's why they weed out those who says, I can't hike it. You know, Satan has a way of weeding out those who don't want to hike it. I don't think God's trying to weed us out. I think he wants us all in the army. But I'll tell you this, if you lay down when the going gets tough and you can't hike it, then God can't get full glory out of you. When, when the fire gets hot, when things go wrong in our lives, and sometimes they do, and it's not easy, and hey, I'm not praying that things go wrong in my life. Trust me, I'm satisfied with what's going wrong right now. Um, but I'm not challenging the devil. Let me give you some extremely good advice. Don't you ever do that. He will show you what he's capable of, and God will say, I'll show you the protection I put on you too. Anyway, but a man, fight the good fight. When it gets hot, when it gets tough, when the difference is getting ready to be made, you stop. You quit. You back up. Folks, I want to tell you something. If it's going to be a change in any church, it's going to take the select few who love Jesus enough to say, I'm devoted, I'm dedicated, and it takes more than just coming to church, but it's an awful good start. If, you're, if we're not dedicated to the house of God, I promise you, by the authority of the Bible, you're probably not been dedicated to him away from the house of God like you could be and should be. Let me read on. Verse 10. For Demoth hath forsaken me. I've kind of already covered this somewhat. Y'all know what point two is yet? Having loved this present world and is departed into Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Dalmatia, however you pronounce that. For Demoth hath forsaken me. Number one, fight a good fight. Number two, don't have it said that thou hast forsaken. I wouldn't want that said about me. I don't know about you, but could you imagine that uh, God is writing, you know, let's look at it this way. It is true. God is literally writing your life down in, the, in his book of life. Everything you do, Everything you say, even everything you think is pinned down. The actions behind our life, our motivations, our reasons for doing things, and our, our work for Him, 
Everything we do, think, and say is pinned down. Because you imagine how many, I wonder how many times in God's book of life of your autobiography that it's written down. They've forsaken right there. Forsaken right here. Right here they, they forsaked. Wonder how many times God will write that down that you and I forsook whatever it was. He gave us a job. And instead of us fighting the good fight and completing it, he writes down forsaken. Out from that job. Out from that work. Out from that title. I wonder if it'll be there. I don't know for sure who Demas is, but I'm glad I'm not him. I wonder how many people through the years and centuries has read this precious book and read his name for Demas hath forsaken thee, having loved this present world. You know the only difference in his present world than ours? About 2,000 years. That's about it. To be technical, probably around 1,960 years, 80 years, maybe 40 Somewhere through there. That's the only difference. You say, but he didn't have the things that we got today. He may not have had the internet and Facebook, but he had uh, things to draw him away just like we do today. I wonder, what is it that draws you away that causes us to forsake the house of God and forsake God's work and forsake the assembling of one together and forsake the fact that God has given us all something to do? I would like, if I could, I'd like to go in every church in America and, and, and somehow, uh, especially Sunday morning, and say, write down what keeps you out of church. I wonder if we could put it up on screens and say, and I wonder what some of the excuses would be. Some of the real reasons would be there that 95% of most of the reasons are there are not valid. And then let's take it a step further. What is it that causes us to forsake praying to God every day, reading His Bible every day, spending time with our Father every day, being obedient to Holy Spirit every day, submissive to His will? I wonder what it is that causes us to forsake those things. I wonder what it would look like if it was written down and put in front of us. Let's see. On December the 10th, Craig forsook me in this, this, and this, and this, and here's his reasons. Huh. I wonder if that was if God would write that down for us. I wonder what it'd look like. You know, pretty much you and I know the reasons. He doesn't really have to tell us much of them. You know, Jesus would often say, "Him that those who have ears to hear, let him hear." You know why he said that? Because some people are so spiritually dead they couldn't hear what he was saying. Sometimes in our life we're spiritually dead in areas and places and God wants to tell us something but we can't hear Him. We're too spiritually dead because of we, we, we have forsaken the first love. Number one, fight a good fight. Two, don't let it be said that you have forsaken for the love of this present world. Let me read on. Only Luke is with me. Who's the author of Acts? Two people. <laughs> We know that Luke wrote the book of Acts. Do you realize that Luke went with Paul on the journey from uh, uh, Caesarea over to Rome? 
with him in all of that, the shipwreck, all those things. He was right there with him. He's with him yet to this day from what we're seeing here. And he said, take Mark and bring him with me for he is profitable to me for ministry. If you remember in Paul's second missionary journey when him and Barnabas got ready to go again, Barnabas said, let's take Mark. And Paul said, we're not taking Mark. And Barnabas said, yeah, I believe he's grown up. Paul says, no, he hasn't. And they had such a heated debate that Paul said, I'll take Silas, you take Mark, and you go your way and I'll go mine. We see here that reconciliation had been made. So the fact that somewhere along the line, Mark had forsaken that first missionary journey somewhere, he got it right. You know what matters? How you finish. And Ecclesiastes said, better is the ending of a thing than the beginning thereof, and better is the patient of spirit than the proud in spirit. Why? Because it takes patience to finish strong, to finish good, to stay in the fight, and not forsake the things, the post that God has put you on. Or are we forsaking those things? And if you have, you got a shot at getting it right. And Tychius have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. I looked some at the cloak. Best I can tell, it was simply some kind of winter garment. Some kind of coat. Some said it was more like something that had a, had a hood on it with no sleeves. So you put it on you and around you and it's raining or it's bad weather to keep them dry, keep them warm and comfortable. I, at best I can tell, that's what it, it's referring to. He notices, he mentions Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Let me back up here and give you point number three. It's found in verse 11. He says, only Mark is with me. Take, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So number three, I want to be found favorable. I want to be found in a fight. I want to be found being forsaken, been doing the forsaking and I want to be found favorable. Profitable means Favorable. It means efficient. It means helpful. It means beneficial. Positive. Let me ask you a question. If we interviewed, if we took a poll, just this church, if everybody in the church, all of us had to go to the same thing. We started, we asked everybody in the church, we listed everybody in the church. So write down one sentence how this church member is to you. Nobody's going to see it but God. I wonder how many people would say, well, they don't really fight the best fighter. They fight a good fight. Amen, baby. I wonder how many would say, well, they forsake this and this and this, but they sure don't this and this and this. Or how many would say that they're profitable Let's go on down to Alexander the coppersmith that did me much evil. God help that somebody wouldn't write that down. But I wonder if we were going to write our last testimony, let's take it a step further. We let someone else write our last testimony. What would they say? What would be penned? Would we be found favorable? You know, Mark may have faltered when he come out of the gate. He may have dropped out of the race, but thank God he got back in it. And he finished strong. He came to be profitable, favorable for the ministry. I want to be found favorable in the eyes of God. I'll be honest with you.
it matters what each one of you think of me. It, it honestly does. But I'm going to be quite real clear. It matters more to me what God thinks of me than anybody in this building, even my wife and kids. Why? Because if God's okay with me, then everybody else will have to get in line. More than likely, if God's okay with me, they will be. Will I embarrass them sometimes doing what God asks me to do? Probably so. Probably embarrass them anyway. Will I uh, be an embarrassment to people doing what God asks me to do sometimes? I may be, but I'd much rather be an embarrassment or obey. It's a whole lot easier to explain that I did what God told me to do than try to get up and confess sins and say I disobeyed Him and here's the results of it. Here's the consequences. Let me say this and I'm almost done. He mentions Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also for he hath greatly withstood our words. I want to tell you something. When you fight the good fight and you're found faithful and you're found favorable, there's going to be some people withstand you. I don't know if you all are following this or not, but do you realize that in America right now, public prayer is under an attack? Do you all know that? Do you know that a Supreme Court judge has ruled public prayer unconstitutional in America? Are you aware of that? That has been, we're getting ready, it was appealed to the United States Supreme Court. That trial is coming up in a couple weeks, and folks, you better pray about it. Now, if I feel like praying somewhere, I'm going to pray somewhere. Will I face consequences? I may do it. I don't know. I don't know how you could enforce that. But it has been forced to other places. Go to Russia or China or North Korea and pray out loud and see how far you get. You say it can't happen here. That's what we've said about other things too. Let me ask you a question. As things get a little more serious and get a little more tightened, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be found fighting the good fight? Are we going to be at Daniel open the windows and say, I'm going to pray anyway? Or are we going to back off? And God writes down, because of a law passed by man, forsaken. Forsaken. How many of us will it be said that they forsook what was given to us, the charge? Notice what else he said in verse 16. He said, My first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsake me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. I specifically waited till now to read that one. It is hard for me sometimes to love people in this country and around this world who fight the church to the bitter end, who absolutely hates the church. And, 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 and hates Christian people and fights us for everything that they can. Our, our country has made decisions lately that I don't agree with. Not even a little bit. We have made uh, deals with other countries to get prisoners and stuff back that I don't agree with. And I wonder why sometimes when it comes to the church, why we are so quick to lay down our arms and not fight a good fight. Why we forsake our post and why we don't realize that if we don't do for God everything we can, we won't be found favorable in His eyes. It's Him that matters. It's really not me. 
This isn't about me. God sent me here to be an under-shepherd to him for this church, and that's all. But you want me to tell you something? It's about him, it's about Jesus, and he's the one you need to worry about. So, these few, these Sunday night few and Wednesday night few, do you realize if we continue to fight and pick up arms and don't quit, we can and will make a difference. Even though sometimes you feel alone. Even though sometimes it feels like there's no use. Even though sometimes you feel like giving up. I don't feel. I don't want to feel that way. I'm going to mention this, and I'm and I'm done. Here while back, I went. I think I've mentioned already. I did a few weeks ago on one of the prayer retreats, and the guy that was preaching made a point I've never heard before. But it, it, like, wow, that's. I was a little bit embarrassed because I had to step back. He said, there's a difference in surrender and submission. Surrender means I take a gun, I got I to gotta point at somebody, and hold it to your head and say, you better give me every dime you got, even if they are a few pennies, or I'm going to blow your brains out. You got a choice to either surrender or leave here. But submission means that you voluntarily lay it down without the gun being head, held to your head. Let me take it a step further. God says, I want you to do something. And you resist. You say, God, I don't want to. God can and will make you surrender. And don't you doubt it. If He wants you to surrender, He doesn't need a gun. He doesn't need a sword. He doesn't anything. He can bring you down, friend, lower than a slime on a worm in a moment's notice if he wants to. And for the people that take church lightly or there's something that they think that it's something they can take or leave, friends, it's not that way. It's not like that. But I want to be the one who says, God, I submit. I don't need you to force me. I don't want him to to force me. There have been times he has. Oh, he sure has. I want to be the one who says, God, I freely submit. I don't want to fight you. Be careful. Be very careful what you're fighting God on. Be very careful what you're fighting against God on. I promise you, not by me, but by the authority of the word of God, I promise you, he can and will get your attention. He is stronger than you. He is greater than you. He is mightier than you. And he will, eventually, he will finally say, enough is enough. And when he drops the hammer, friends, you're going to want some mercy and grace. And he's going to say, I'll bring it in a minute right now. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that God, you take this message. God, I, um, I know it was simple, but God, it's what you give me, Lord. It's what you put together on my heart. And God, I thank you for loving me the way that you have and the way that you do. God, you've never failed me. You've never one time let me down. You've never one time, God, backed up or backed off, Lord. And God, I thank you that, Lord, if I'm willing to get in the fight and stay there, then God, you'll stay right there with me. God, the only time you've ever backed up from me is when I forced you to. But God, 
Anytime I'm willing to take up arms, God, and fight in your, in your uh, leadership, Holy Spirit, and in your presence, you've never one time have you ever let me down, God. You haven't, period, Lord, in any way, shape, or form. And I thank you and I praise you for that. Help us all, I pray, to realize our time is drawing short, God. Our moments here on earth are not very much longer. God, to get things right for you and with you. So I pray that, God, you use this little church as you see fit. Help us all, God, to be about your work. And most of all, Jesus, I know I need to preach more and practice more soul winning. God, we need to tell people about you, Jesus. That's our number one goal. God, is to honor you and tell people about you. Jesus, I pray that we leave here equipped for that purpose. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have a need tonight, I invite you to come to this altar. If God has spoken to you, if there's anything at all on your mind, I pray that you come do business with God as we stand.